Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Buffalo Sports Podcast. It's your host, AJ Sobolski. A uh, big guest coming on today. Uh, I know I've had Matt Perino on uh, many times. I've had Ryan Talbot. I know you've heard from from those two uh, beat reporters, but I got a, I got a big and new one coming on today. Uh, Nate Geary from WGR, or WGR uh, Sports Radio 550. Uh, Nate, how are you today? I'm good, man. Um, just kind of getting over all of the traumatizing videos of me enjoying Tom Brady from his, uh, from his Super Bowl parade. So other than that, other than the trauma of realizing that Tom Brady's like kind of cool and I like him now, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been okay. Yeah. I, 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 for one, wanted the Bucks to win that game. I know it was kind of split with Bill's mafia. I think a bunch of guys wanted KC, a bunch of people wanted uh, Tampa, but I I wanted Tampa Bay just because in 10 years, we're going to be sitting here looking at Pat Mahomes and, he, he could be the next time Brady for us. So, yeah, man, you're not kidding. And, uh, you know, I know it, it's, it's weird. The, the sort of, uh, 180 and like complete circle that I've done on, uh, you know, uh, on Tom Brady, because, you know, growing up as a 29 year old, I mean, when I was, um, in my, you know, early to mid to late teens, that's, you know, the prime of Tom Brady's dominance, um, and sort of the, the beginning of what people really kind of thought was going to be, you know, the greatest of all time. And here we are still somewhat somehow debating and it feels so weird because it feels like I heard people when I was in eighth grade debating is Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback ever. And of course, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. And now it's like the same conversation happens. Cause I just think he's in, in a way he's still underrated. I, and which is wild to me to say, and, and here I am again, I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, uh, I'm pumping up Tom Brady who needs to do that. He can do that himself. Yeah. Tom is definitely a guy that I've debated many times in a high school because you got those people. It's kind of like, for me, the Tom Brady fans, uh, I think like usually you think Michael Jordan's the goat. And I feel like the LeBron James kind of guys who think he's the goat kind of think like an Aaron Rodgers because they base it more on uh, talent, not, not, not on championships. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And you know, with Rodgers, it's tough because you know, Rodgers is probably the most talented quarterback ever. But he won't, you know, we'll see how he kind of is remembered amongst um, like amongst the top quarterbacks in the, in football. But like, you know, he's not going to be above Peyton Manning. I mean, he's wildly more talented than, than Peyton. And I think even Tom are from arm talent and just how how damn good he's been. And it's going to be crazy that he's likely going to end his career with one Super Bowl. Yeah. All right. So let's get into stuff. So. Obviously, a lot of quarterbacks are going to be on the move this year, maybe. Uh, so we got a couple guys. I'll yeah. I'll uh, say my guy, and then I'll give the team I think they'll go to or after I think they'll stay, and then you can go ahead as well. So I first want to start with, obviously, the biggest guy in the market right now, Deshaun Watson. Uh, obviously, I think the general manager and the coach uh, there in Houston are trying to, you know, downplay it, try to make it seem like, you know, they, they, he, they're going to make him want to stay there. I think he's going to be on the move regardless. Uh, so I think he'll end up in Denver. Uh, hmm. I think – I think Drew Locke is a suitable fit, like for a Houston team trying to trying to rebuild basically from the bottom with the with the news of JJ Watt today. I think they're starting over, starting over from scratch. But I'll give you uh, Drew Locke, maybe a couple, you know, a skill player in there, and then a, a couple first round picks. Maybe that would that would get you to Sean Watson, but I don't know. It's going to be tough. But if he does move, I think he'll go to Denver. So. Go ahead. Where do, you, where do you think Watson ends up? I think it's a good pick. Um, but uh, what I'll say and kind of where I think I end up, I, I sort of keep ending up is I think it's really ultimately between Miami and I think San Francisco is the other team that I think makes a lot of sense for both him and I think for San Francisco as well. But can San Francisco and do they have 
you know, the pieces to, um, to, to get Deshaun Watson and is it worth it? You know, are you willing to move a Nick Bosa, um, which they would undoubtedly have to do. And, and this year's first round pick and next year's first round pick, if you're willing to do those things, um, you know, I think they can get Deshaun Watson. I think he'd be worthwhile. I think he's the kind of guy that could really put them over the hump. Um, so for me, um, I think San Francisco makes the most sense um, from a fit perspective, I think from a, a Houston, if Houston had it their way, I'm sure Miami makes the most sense to Houston because I think they can get the most draft capital. They could end up with Tua, um, a guy they feel like, you know, hey, this guy could be the future. We could build around him and not have to draft a quarterback with this sort of newfound draft capital they'd be getting in return for that trade. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. I like San Francisco as, as the ultimate, uh, the, the final destination for, uh, for Watson. Obviously, as a Bills fan, you'd like you'd like that too. That'd be a perfect fit for for Bills fans if you yeah to, move him right out of the AFC. AFC. Yeah, move him right out of the AFC. I totally agree. All right, so another guy that's been popping up a little bit is on Derek Carr. Uh, I don't know if there's much on it. I, I think it's a bunch of rumors, so I think he'll stay. Uh, I don't. I don't really. I don't really see him going anywhere. But I want to mention if he does. If he does move, um, I think it could be a potential LA Raiders, Seattle Seahawks little little switch there with Derek Carr and Russell Wilson I don't know probably some draft capital going to going to uh, Seattle because Russell Wilson's a great player but uh, I think I think if that happens it could be a little Derek Carr uh, Russell Wilson uh, exchange and I think both teams could end up winning this trade so yeah you know I, Vegas is a sneaky destination for Deshaun Watson as well um, because I think Derek Carr kind of creates a I think a team and, and particularly the McNair family and uh, Easterby and Kashiro, the guys that are there in Houston now, I think they would look at Derek Carr as the kind of guy that maybe they'd want to go and target. Um, and maybe that, that makes sense. And, and I think if you're Deshaun Watson, you're definitely not saying no, you know, to a, to a trade to Vegas. Um, so I think from that perspective, I, I, I kind of, didn't really maybe give that enough thought, but I, I think overall, I think you're probably right in your initial, your, your initial thought. I think cars probably staying put in, in, in Vegas. I think it just, um, there, there doesn't seem like there's a really great home run trade out there available for them. Um, and you know, I, I think they need, they, they spent a lot of money. Listen, Mike Mayock's going to be under the gun. Um, I'm a big Mike Mayock fan. I'm, I'm, I'm a big Cruden fan. I like both of them. I just, uh, Mayock has not had particularly good drafts with a lot of capital, um, I don't think they've done a really good job surrounding Carr with the, with with really good weapons, and I think they spent a lot of money on guys like you know Trent Brown that I just didn't think were necessarily the guys you want to break the bank for. So uh, I think they're going to be stuck around with with Derek Carr for a little while at least. Okay, and then another uh, the final quarterback that's probably going to be on the move is Carson Wentz. Obviously, with the emergence of Jalen Hurts, uh, surprisingly to me because I didn't think I didn't know how I felt about Jalen Hurts coming out. Uh, I thought he was. You know, he was he was a winner in Alabama, obviously, but there was a lot of talent around him and uh, he couldn't even finish that title game and Tua came in and won that game for him. So there's always questions about that. But I mean, I think they're going to ride with Jalen Hurts. So Carson Wentz is probably going to be on the move and I think he's going to end up in Chicago. Uh, I think, you know, it, it's a it's an interesting situation. I think either Falls or Trubisky are going to have to be, you know, let go because I think that they're going to need to back up just in case. Jalen Hurts like doesn't work out. I think Nick Foles makes more sense due to the fact that he's been a savvy uh, backup veteran for for a long time now, and it'd be good for you know Jalen Hurts to be working with a guy like Nick Foles to you know develop him and help him. So I think Carson Wentz makes a lot of sense. I think Carson Wentz and Mitch Trubisky, both guys, uh, were supposed to be really good, and you know they're gonna have to fight for for a starting position. I think Wentz ends up in Chicago. 
I like I like that pick. I think the only reason I think it could be in Indianapolis um, is I think they ultimately have a little bit more. I think they've got more to give. Um, and not only that, I think from a, if you're Carson Wentz perspective, I think that's the destination you'd ultimately rather go. Um, and I think it's just because of what that team's got in terms of who they've already got in the building at the wide receiver and, and at the running back position with Jonathan Taylor. And, you know, I, I think the best offensive line in football in terms of just, you know, guys at the top, Quentin Nelson um, being the best guard in, in, in the entire league and Ryan Kelly, a great center up in the middle. I mean, they, they're, they've got a really nice squad offensively. And I think defensively, they're, they're really good as well. That's the, that, I, I'm probably going to Indianapolis and only because I think it ultimately ends up being the best fit and best situation for Wentz, who I, I think still could probably turn some things around here at this point in his career. I think if he's in a good situation under Frank Reich, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Indianapolis ends up being the spot uh, that you see Wentz going to. Uh, I, I'm not mistaken. If I'm not mistaken, wasn't uh, Frank Reich the o- or coordinator with Wentz in Philly at one point? So he was the quarterback's coach um, okay. in Philadelphia when um, they won the Super Bowl. Okay. Um, and he did work with Wentz in that 2015 season that Wentz was basically an MVP candidate right up until he got hurt um, and ended up, t- I think it was the, the, was that the back or was that the ACL? That might've been ACL year. Um, and then, um, well, you actually know what? He might've been the offensive coordinator not calling plays because it was Peterson that was calling plays and John Filippo was the quarterback's coach. Okay. So, yeah. so Filippo right now is the offensive coordinator in Chicago. And Reich is the head coach and play caller in Indianapolis. So either destination, Chicago or Indianapolis, he's going to be playing with guys that were coaching him during the prime of his um, sort of early part of his career, where I think a lot of people thought in 2015, he was going to be one of the best young quarterbacks in football. That's why, you know, I think if you're Philly, you should count your blessings because I think it's hard for, it's going to be difficult, I guess, maybe to make Philly look bad in this, but if, Carson Wentz ends up being a good player. Philly's going to look really bad in this situation. And, and as it is, Howie Roseman's kind of got the spotlight on him as well. Yeah, I still think he could be a good player. I mean, the talent around No reason. Him, I mean, he's 27, 26 years old. You know, I mean, yeah. he's still a young guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so before we get into Bill's things, I got to ask you a question about one of your tweets that people, uh, you know, didn't really agree with mm-hmm. in, terms of, in terms of things. Obviously, J.J. Watt uh, released today. Uh, finished with five sacks, 14 tackles for loss last year with uh, 36 solo tackles. Uh, obviously, a guy like on the decline, you know, he's older now. But, I mean, a big need for the Bills in terms of that, yeah. you know, big guy that they need up the middle to help even Ed Oliver out in that whole D-line. I think that would help Jerry Hughes if he comes back. I think Mario Addison's going to be cut. I think guys like Vernon Butler, uh, Quentin Jefferson are also on the bubble. But uh, J.J. Watt, uh, how do you feel about him? And do you like him uh, being a Buffalo Bill? I do. Um, And, you know, even if it's not a traditional edge, you know, every down player type of role, um, I'm open to it because I think he brings the type of presence, the type of credibility um, to this locker room that, you know, I I think if you would have told me five years ago, this team has Stefan Diggs and, and uh, you know, and JJ Watt four years ago, that those would be the the two sort of blue chip players. And you have Josh Allen, who's a top five quarterback in football. I think you you know I would have probably called you crazy. So the idea that you could potentially get JJ Watt's really intriguing. Um, it has a lot of great potential benefits. His position flexibility. I think he'd be able to move in uh, inside and be able to play next to Ed Oliver and have um, you know Hughes and somebody else on the Epinesa on the edge and and really kind of create a dynamic pass rushing package. So yeah, I mean I love the idea. Um, 
Um, it's got to come at the right price. And ultimately, it's going to depend on what they do at the defensive line. I think they've got major decisions to make. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if every guy they brought in that defensive line last year, Addison, Jefferson, and Butler, were all one and dones, all guys that they cut um, this season to, to sort of uh, regain that cap space. But I also would maybe sleep on keeping a guy like Jefferson because he also offers a lot of that position flexibility. You can restructure the contract, get almost as much um, cap relief as, as if you would to just outright cut him. And, and I think you maybe don't want to sleep on Butler. I think it's almost a foregone conclusion. Mario Addison's gone. I think he's been pretty, he was pretty disappointing this year um, in terms of production, what you think you were getting from him. So I think he's gone. You can clear up some cap space there. Butler, uh, you know, he was drafted by Brandon Bean. So I'm sure he's going to have um, every opportunity um, to, to sort of see through that contract and maybe potentially get that restructured. But for me, Jefferson makes the most sense because he's the one guy that can bounce out to defensive end and play both inside and outside. And if you're going to bring in a guy like JJ Watt, maybe you want to have a guy with that same versatility so that you can kind of create that, uh, that, that versatility on pass rushing downs, like I was talking about and the return of Star Latulale as well. Yeah. It, hopefully he, he comes back and is, is the same player because he, he does a lot more than, more than Bill's mafia. Uh, appreciate Yeah. Him. Likes he, to he, say, agree. Uh, so here's your tweet. Uh, obviously the Deshaun Watson for Josh Allen straight up. Uh, what, mm -hmm. what, what, why do you think that? And uh, I'm not saying I disagree. I, I, if we went in next year, I know it's not going to happen, but if we went in next year with Deshaun Watson as a quarterback, I wouldn't be like, you know, more nervous or less nervous. I think it'd be kind of a wash. So, so why would you do it? Uh, why would you do it? Uh, I mean, if it was right now, I would I, like from a future perspective, first and foremost, I mean, it's just, it's, it's silly because it's a hypothetical and it would never happen. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not even a realistic, probably compensation package. I think you'd still probably have to give up more to get Deshaun Watson because I think Deshaun Watson is viewed pretty universally right now as the better quarterback right now today. He is, um, will he be, um, you know, come November or December this year. I think there's a totally good argument and a credible argument to be made that no, I think Josh Allen might surpass where Deshaun Watson is in the league. And what are we, we're, we're arguing semantics. We're arguing the difference between the third best quarterback and the sixth best quarterback or the mm -hmm. fifth best quarterback for Josh Allen. But, um, you know, I think if you're, if you're Deshaun Watson is the top two or three player in the league, I mean, he is, he is legit. Um, and you know, you've, I, I know you've got an extra two years here of some pretty cheap, um, salary cap room or salary cap space, thanks to the the contract you're paying Josh Allen, and it that would be kind of be fluffed on its head if you if you bring in a contract like Deshaun Watson. But two years from now, Deshaun Watson's contract is going to be a relative bargain, um, considering you know Dak Prescott and some of these guys that are going to get paid in the upcoming seasons forty fifty million dollars. We already saw what Patrick Mahomes made. So considering that you know uh, Deshaun Watson's twenty nine million dollars against the salary cap, um, that that's a relative you know that that that's a deal. Um, so I think for me, you know, that's, that's shopping in the clearance section. So, um, for me, it really just comes down to right now, he's the better quarterback. And right now, I think if he walked in here, the bills would be, would win a super bowl. Um, and that's nothing against Josh Allen. Cause I think he could probably do the same. Um, so, but for me, I mean, I, I agree with people's arguments that, you know, from a leader perspective, I agree. I think Josh is a, just a different kind of leader. And I think there's a good argument to be made on both sides. I'm just looking at it from a right now, who would I take to, if I was picking in backyard football, I'm picking Deshaun Watson. And I think, I think you're crazy if you don't. Yeah. I think obviously Josh Allen did have his breakout uh, year this year, but you know, it's, it's about consistency and, and Deshaun Watson, yeah. no matter who he's had around him, what his defense looks like, he's always shown, shown that way, shown that way to move the ball and, and score touchdowns. So, uh, Going into the reason to worry next year for the Bills, um, I'm going to start and then I'll, I'll let you follow. Um, I think the front four 
uh, playing uh, elite football uh, when needed uh, next year is something to worry about because you you saw it in, in the Kansas City game. They just could not, um, you know, get to the quarterback. And I know it's Pat Mahomes. I know he's, you know, he's going to be the probably greatest of all time when he's when he's done. I mean, just second because Brady just beat him. But, uh, you know, the, the, the idea that you got to get to the quarterback just wasn't there for the Bills last year. And uh, Pat Mahomes was just slinging the ball around, had all the time in the world. And you saw what the Bucks did to him. And what happened? He was way off. I think he – I don't even know if he completed 50% of his passes – and the narrative, you know, it's funny because I'm just going to add this in the narrative with Pat Mahomes, who's running around for his life is, oh, my gosh, he's trying his hardest. He's doing everything he can. But the narrative with Josh Allen, when he's running around trying to play hero ball, it's wow. Like this, this guy's, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, reckless. He's reckless. And it's just funny to, to look at that. But definitely the front four playing elite football uh, worries me next year because I think it's going to be a whole new D line. And I, I hope we can see some sacks and I, I, I wish we could have Mario Williams right now in his prime, but you know, obviously, obviously he's yeah. not. Obviously he's not here. So, what's your reason to worry next year? Yeah, you know, listen. I think if you're worried, it's because you watch. Listen, and that defensive line, make no mistake about it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have one of the best defensive lines I think from top to bottom I've seen in a very long time. Um, that that defensive line is as good as the Tampa Bay Bucks defensive line that featured Warren Sapp, Booger McFarland um, in their last Super Bowl run. Um, and those are two Hall of Fame players, you know. And and mm-hmm. so I think it's it's important to understand like how good the Vita Vea coming back. He's one of the best young interior defensive linemen in the league. Pat, I mean, uh, Jason Pierre. Paul's playing at a really, really high level. Um, Golson's a really nice player. He's big. He's physical. Um, so they've got guys all across that defensive line, and it opens things up on the back end as well um, for for the two linebackers that I think are two of the you know top five guys in, in all of football. So um, yeah, I mean, and and they didn't have to rush more than four very much, and. I think if you're one thing you're looking at is, yeah, that's a great defensive line, but they made it look relatively easy against Kansas city's offensive line. And it looked like the bills just didn't stand a chance. And, and watching the change from just two weeks and only one player, you move Eric Fisher out of the lineup and all of a sudden they can't block anybody. And that's That was, a concerning thing for me because I looked at the bills and I said, I thought they were a fairly confident. I mean, they were top 10 in the league in sacks. It's not like they didn't get to the quarterback all year. Um, I thought Jerry Hughes, you know, in, in number two in, in pass rush win rate from the edge right behind TJ Watt. I mean, he is still getting it done at a really, really high level at this point in his career, but they need a legitimate hand in the ground pass rusher. It's part of why I've really been thinking, you know, made this JJ Watt makes a lot of sense that even at this point in his career, for me, the guy that I've been just pounding the table for um, is Jadavian Clowney, because I think he's the kind of guy you can get on a really cheap contract right now um, is a guy that's coming off of, I know another injury and, and, you know, at this point in his career, he's been pretty disappointing, but anytime you get the opportunity to get a number one overall pick at 27 years old, um, you know, you're talked about, uh, you talked about Mario Williams. I, you know, this is a guy that you could probably get for five or six million dollars next year and that's exactly the type of guy you need to try to revamp your defensive end room because I just don't think you're going to have the type of money to go out and throw at a Carl Lawson a guy that might get a couple or an extended year you know two or three year contract who I'd really love the Bills to go after um your and Yannick Ndukwe like that's just not a guy the Bills are really going to go out and be able to afford so for me um Clowney makes a lot of sense because he brings that physicality and to me there's a certain type of guy they need to build around this defensive line and I think you get in that physicality back with Starling Tulele but they need a guy like Clowney at the edge 
edge that can be a really physical dominating run defender and just give more opportunities for Jerry Hughes to get after the passer. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if they can find a little more physicality along that defensive line, a little bit more size, that's also where, where Clowney comes in um, with star and Clowney in that lineup. I think you have a, a far more formidable defensive unit, especially against the run, which we know they, they struggled with at times last year. Um, and like I said, I, I think they're, I think they're ready to move on from Mario Addison. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to see it. I think they might go after two pass rushers. I, I, that's, it could be totally possible to do that. So with star coming back, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what it ends up working out, but the defensive line is concerning. And I think it's really from a physicality perspective more than anything else. Yeah. And you know, you had a guy like Jadavian Clowney who, you know, he's going to have character. He's had character issues somewhat in his past, but you know, you see that with like Stefan Biggs, they said he did too. And look, look how he fit here. So right, that's not right. really something that Bill's fans should be worried about. I think, I think if you can get him on a cheap co- contract and uh, you know, bring him in and see what he can do. And, uh, you know, Jerry Hughes does play his best football when he's when he's opposite a guy that can get to the get to the quarterback at, at will. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the thing, too, with last thing, too, with Jerry, it's like how many more years is he going to be playing at this level? I mean, so far he hasn't really lost a step, but I would I just wouldn't bet on, you know, Jerry Hughes being the number two most effective pass rusher in the league next year. I think that would be asking a lot. Yeah, so now a reason to be excited for next year. I'll start. Uh, obviously, Josh Allen uh, continuing to improve his fourth year. Uh, that's really all I have to mention about that. Uh, you know, especially with Diggs, now they're going to have another year of chemistry. Oh, they're going to remember that Kansas City loss. Stephon Diggs, obviously, on the field watching the celebration, using that as motivation. He's probably telling Josh, you know, I, this, I want this to be us next year. Uh, they're like best friends. They got the, they got the chemistry, and that, that's just the reason to be excited. We finally have a franchise quarterback. I've never been able to say that in my life. I went through Kyle Orton. I went through Tyrod Taylor. I went through Trent Edwards. I went through, you know, I mean, uh, what's his, Thad Lewis was in there at one point, uh, you know, playing. So I, I went through them all, and it's, it's, it's nice to see a guy that you can count on every week and, you know, know we're at least going to be in a game and probably win the game when, when we have this guy. So what's your reason to be excited next year for the, uh, this Buffalo Bills team? Josh Allen's an easy one. Um, I, I, you know, I also think um, on top of Josh Allen, I, you know, maybe people won't won't agree with this. And uh, I think Tremaine Edmonds um, getting Star Latula back in the middle of the field, providing a little bit more cover for this linebacking uh, crew, I think it's going to give Tremaine Edmonds way more opportunities to to look like the player we saw in 2019, the Pro Bowl player. Um, and again, a, a guy that's going to be 23 years old as he enters the season with three years of experience. You just, you, you, it's really impossible to find that type of. Uh, you know, to try to get a guy that young with that much experience at this point. And I think the Bills, the most Bills fans. You know, they, they want to find reasons to be mad or upset or whatever it is about, um, you know, whatever it ends up being about Tremaine Edmonds that people don't like. I think ultimately, could he be better? Yes. And I think he will be better. And, and I like them if they can give them some help up front on the defensive line, a little more physicality, like I was telling you about. I think that gives Tremaine Edmonds a fighting chance in a little bit. If he can bounce back and have a really strong fourth year, if he can have a jump, I mean, asking him to make the Josh Allen leap where he becomes, you know, a top five player in his position, I think that's a lot. But mm. let's talk about can this guy make a leap and be seven or eight and can be a guy that is really one of the best young linebackers in the league. I think he has that potential. He's just got to get back to that place. Absolutely. So uh, some draft prospects that you're interested uh, looking at at 30. Obviously, we got a lot, a lot of holes to fill, a lot of needs. Yeah. Uh, defensive end, tight end, you know, cornerback opposite Trey. We're still looking for that. Although Levi Wallace, I will say. Uh, he had his moments where he he was you know not not playing his best, but he always he always bounced back when when they needed him the most. So just a couple of guys you like at thirty. Uh, I'll, just, I'll just mention a couple and I'll let you go. I like Jason Owa from sure, sure. Uh, Penn State, uh, the defensive end. 
I also like if we're looking for like some uh, some offensive tackle help because uh, Feliciano and um, Daryl Williams are probably going to be, uh, you know, who knows? One of them is going to have to be gone with the couch situation. I like Jalen Mayfield from uh, Michigan offensive tackle. Uh, he's got size, speed, and strength. And then obviously Najee Harris running back. I don't know if I like the pick at, at the time because I don't know if I like going running back three years in a row in the draft uh, with Moss and Singletary. I think you can get a guy later. And I still like Antonio Williams. I like to see him get a shot too. So Najee Harris would be a, probably the least the least favorite pick at 30 just because of that that fact. But, I mean, adding a playmaker like that that can do it all uh, wouldn't it be a bad thing. So who, who are some guys that you like at 30 for the Bills? Uh, a couple of guys I like at 30. Um, I like linebacker uh, because I think ultimately the Bills may be – I think more likely than not, uh, Matt Milano is not going to be in a Bills uniform next year. Um, the one guy that I think, you know, for me personally, I don't know I don't know if you know this about me or not, I'm a big Notre Dame fan. So uh, Jeremiah Wusu-Karamoa has been a name for me for a while now. Uh, it has a lot of Darius Leonard, in my opinion. He's I think he's probably right at the same weight, about 216. He's kind of that hybrid um, – you know, linebacker safety type. Um, but I, I've, I really like, he's sort of kind of the future of the outside linebacker position. I think if, if you're asking who can the bills get that they wouldn't miss a beat with Matt Milano, Jeremiah Wusukaramoa would be the guy for me um, that, that sort of fits that bill. But the other guy that I really like in this draft too, from Tulsa um, is their linebacker Zavin Collins. I mean, the guy is just an absolute animal as a, a high school quarterback convert um, played safety and then plays linebacker. And uh, if you were, watching any college football highlights this season. He made several of those highlights. I think he had three consecutive games where he had pick sixes. Um, the kid is 6'4 and 260-pound linebacker that can move um, from sideline to sideline. So he's another guy for me. Um, look at the wide receiver position. I know um, tight ends been kind of in vogue. I just don't think the draft, especially in the first round, unless you're getting Kyle Pitts, somehow he falls down into the 30s. Um, I, I don't think anyone would, uh, would argue that's going to be happening. So the two guys that I really look at, um, from like a wide receiver playmaking position, um, I really like Rashad Bateman a lot from it, from Minnesota. Uh, again, don't know if that's going to be a guy that, that is available for the bills at 30. Um, and the last guy in terms of wideouts, uh, Rondale Moore from Purdue is another guy that I really like, uh, he's smaller five foot nine, uh, but as a guy that can fly, uh, is going to probably test off the charts and we'll see if he kind of moves his name back into the first round right now. He's probably a top 50, top 60 pro, uh, prospect at this point. And then the one guy, another Notre Dame guy too, as well, that I could really see the bills, um, potentially replacing Daryl Williams with is Liam Eikenberg, um, the offensive tackle, redshirt senior, huge, 6'6", 305. Um, one of my favorite players in Notre Dame. Um, yeah, I mean, just he, he, he could be a, a walk-in day one starter at right tackle for you. Um, you know, a guy that you have with uh, for, for the next five years in a rookie salary cap control and um, and, and kind of hope for the best. So those are like uh, five guys that I, 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 you know, for me that I think I'd be, I think it would be a home run hits for the Bills at, uh, at the 30th pick. All, all great, all great guys, all great, all great talents for sure. Uh, before you go, I just want to ask you, uh, who's your favorite uh, Notre Dame uh, quarterback of all time? <laughs> easy. Uh, I, well, I shouldn't say, you know, it is easy. It's, it's Brady Quinn. It's not particularly close. 
Um, I grew up and it's funny too, because uh, a couple of weeks ago, while, you know, while the bills were, um, you know, still in the playoffs and, and winning playoff games, I was getting a lot of media requests to go on shows up in Canada and Toronto and Vancouver and the Toronto radio station I was on the, the person leading up to me that they were interviewing was Brady Quinn. It was Brady Quinn and Nate Geary on the, uh, on the rundown. And I was like, Holy cow, like, this is pretty cool because like, and I got on the show. First thing I said was like, by the way, guys, like I'm going to need you next time you talk to Brady Quinn, you know, let him know I'm a big fan. I mean, like I had, Oh, geez. I mean, they had like seven Brady Quinn jerseys growing up. My uh, Little League football um, like jersey that I wore to practice every night was a number 10 Kelly Green um, uh, Notre Dame jersey that I wore. Uh, yeah, Brady Quinn. And then, you know, oddly enough, the the next guy for me is Jimmy Clausen, who never really uh, turned out to be the NFL quarterback. I think uh, that Mel Kuyper Jr. thought he was going to be. And I know for me, too, I, I thought. I thought Jimmy was going to have a, a good NFL career, just didn't end up working out for him. But uh, yeah. And, you know, frankly, those teams um, from Brady all the way to Jimmy Clausen and kind of in that, 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 that window. Um, I mean, Golden Tate, Jeff Samarja. Uh, I mean, so like legitimate names, the tight end position, Anthony Fasano. I mean, good tight ends that um, Kyle Rudolph, like guys that, uh, that just kind of came through the program at that, at that moment. Um yeah, it was uh, for me. Is it was always Brady Quinn. I uh, hopefully one day I'll get to meet Brady because I'm, I'm I would fanboy over Brady for sure. Yeah, Brady Quinn, uh, the guy that got me into it. Actually, I was like six, seven years old, and uh, I just remember watching Justin Marjo with his long hair. I, I mean, I oh yeah, man, very vague, but I can remember them. You know, they were they were that was the best Notre Dame team I I remember from. Uh, you know, they had a couple, a couple of good teams. Darius, Darius Miles at running back. They had uh, Maurice Stovall, the other receiver opposite side of, uh, of, of Samarja. Yeah. And not only that, but they were a, I was, that Notre Dame team in particular was one of my favorite teams to play NCAA football uh, with on, uh, on Xbox too. That was a big, that was one of my favorite teams to play with. So that's coming, that's coming yeah, you know, Ever, Ever Golson, Ever Golson was up there for me too. I think he probably fits in at number three. I, he was, he was kind of like the peak of my, Geez, Everett Colson would have been high school for me, right? Junior, maybe sophomore, junior, or high school for me. So, um, yeah, crazy. But yeah, Brady Brady Quinn's always been the the, the A one from from day one. Yeah, Brady Quinn, and then I, like, I also like Tommy Reese as well. Uh, he's 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 a cool guy. I think he's offensive coordinator there now. So Tommy I, has been uh, Tommy's had a great career there. Obviously, he's the offensive coordinator now, a guy that's calling plays. But he's as happy as I am for Tommy. And, uh, as I, you know, I'm a, I'm a Tommy Reese fan. I would call myself that, uh, he was, he was at times a very frustrating player. Um, mm. and at times this year, I found him to be a very frustrating play caller. So we'll see. But at the end of the day, like I said, I'm a fan, uh, everybody listen, you know, Brian Dable's a frustrating play caller at times. I, and I love Dable. Um, so yeah. everybody's going to have their moments, you know, every, everybody, every, uh, you know, armchair GM thinks they can call plays better. So. All right, Nate. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. It was a great uh, half-hour episode. Uh, it's it's AJ Sabalski with the Buffalo Sports Podcast. Nate, again, thank you so much. Uh, oh, my pleasure, man. A lot of bills, uh, important quarterbacks maybe on the move, and then some Notre Dame at the end, so it's always a good time. Uh, it's It's been a fun one. Thank you. Yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good one.